0: to the reunion church podcast we're a community following jesus seeking the good of our city we hope today's teaching is both challenging and encouraging if we could be a resource to you on your spiritual journey don't hesitate to reach out via our website at reunionnyc.com My name is Russell, and I'm one of the pastors at Reunion. Uh, This teaching is Becoming a Generous People, and so here is our teaching text from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul writes, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part for they gave according to their means as I can testify and beyond their means of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of saints and this is not as we expected but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us accordingly we urged Titus that he had started that as he had started so he should complete among you this act of grace but as you excel in everything in faith speech and knowledge in all earnestness and in our love for you see that you excel in this act of grace also i say this not as a command but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ though he was rich yet for your sakes he became poor so that you, by his poverty you might become rich And so today what we come to here is a sort of case study of a generous church. And so here's how Paul begins. We want you to know, brothers, about the what? The grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. The churches in Macedonia would include uh, Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. And what they're doing here is they're actually giving to the churches in Jerusalem. We find in Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth that there was a drought and a famine that had left Jerusalem in a depression. And so the church in Jerusalem has really been a sort of deploying and ascending church, and now they find themselves uh, in need. And so Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he's saying, look at the churches of Macedonia, and what is the end result of it? Generosity, to be a community that is loving well, with resources. And not just money, though, that's primarily what we're going to talk about today, but thinking about our resources, like our times, our gifts, our skills, and our ability. And what Paul is doing is he's writing to the church at Corinth, and he's saying, hey, look at them. But what, what specifically should we look at? The grace of God that has been given among the churches. Now, the Greek word for grace there is charis, undeserved favor. They didn't earn it, they didn't deserve it, but God in his kindness was at work. When I read that this week, I, it just made me smile. The grace of God at work. It got me thinking about the grace of God that has been given amongst our community. And no joke, I would say in God's favor, we exist this year, right? We started this year off with trials, Omicron, and it was not easy, in God's favor, we've been able to serve our city, giving our time and our energy to hunger prevention with the Father's heart. Um, I know many of you this summer were a part of the resource fair with the Youth Justice Network. And I just love that our church was able to um, facilitate quietly in the background the food, the setup, the teardown, the conversations with organizations in our city to to come and help um, these organizations uh, as they reintegrate youth coming out of Rikers. So it's a commitment of ourselves to our value of justice and mercy. Um, in God's favor, we had an amazing summer uh, calling lab, the environment we spent a couple of weeks asking, who are we? Um, the, the, the goal of our calling lab was to grow in self-awareness, to see the congruence of who we are and the needs around us. Um, in God's favor, this summer, we uh, did art projects in Madison Square Park, uh, with Art in the Park, um, to empower creativity and beauty. Um, in God's favor, we had our first baptism at our beach day. Amazing to see Max make a commitment to follow Jesus. And then this fall, in God's favor, we celebrated one year. We had a women's retreat. We've begun men's gatherings. We hired an associate pastor, Pastor Brandon. In God's favor, we our community groups have almost 50 signups, committing ourselves to our value of covenant community. Um, In God's favor, over 40 people are serving on teams on Sundays because we said that even though we're a small church, we don't want 20% of the people to do 80% of the work. Um, in God's favor, last year at this time the 10-week average attendance for our community was 36 people on sundays the 10-week average right now is 55 people so from 36 to 55 it's a 52 percent increase in our sunday morning attendance and why do i share all that it's not it's not to say wow look, look at us look how amazing we are but to actually um like paul is saying to see that the grace of god is settled on our community to, to see that God is at work, are we doing these things perfectly? No, by, by no means. are we learning? Yes, and actually that's the important point it's that through that God has been immeasurably kind to our community. and so when I think about our community, I, I, I can only I, I recall faces of people who um, I see stor- stories of life change, stories of struggle and wrestling and trials and growth. But I see us as a community blossoming and um, really being formed as a as a people, as a a group of people. And all of that, looking back, what it does to me is it reminds me that God's grace is at work or that Paul says the grace of God has been given among the churches. But Paul doesn't quit there. He keeps going. So what does he say? He says in verse two, for in a severe test of affliction, Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity, right? Severe test of affliction. I think that uh, from a a, a cultural standpoint, we can resonate deeply, right? Highest inflation in more than four decades, rising interest rates, a volatile stock market, rampant greed, a severe test of affliction. But then look what happens. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Meaning what? it hurt, right? And then Paul says, they were begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. They were, please let us give, right? Please let us give. Imagine this, like pass the, the offering again. Can we pass the offering again, right? There was a sort of grace on the church of Macedonia, a favor resting on them and it allowed them to operate with a great generosity. And so Paul's like, Corinth, are you ready? Are you ready for this type of grace to come upon you? And so Here's this, what I want to ask here with, with our time. How do we become a generous community? How do we grow in generosity? Right? Generosity seems like this value that we um, so admire in other people. Then, but when it comes to us, we're like, oh, not me. I don't want that. Right? I don't want that value. Um, so I just want to look at three things here. Giving joyfully giving out of love and giving sacrificially like Jesus. Give joyfully. Now, these two communities couldn't be any different, right? Corinth is knowledgeable and gifted, and scholars believe that they were a wealthy people. Um, Paul describes them in verse 7. But as you excel in everything... In faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also, so you have a community with means right you, then you have the the church in Macedonia. it 's different right there 's a severe test of affliction, and they have extreme poverty extreme poverty the the word extreme there is um where we get the English word bathosphere from. Um, a bathysphere um, think steampunk it is like um, one of those ships that probes the depths of the ocean floor and so what the what paul is describing is that they're in deep poverty like down to the depths or we would say dirt poor and so the major difference here one community is wealthy but isn't giving while the other is poor but giving to the cause of the church in jerusalem what's the difference Verse two: For in a severe test of affliction, here's the difference: their abundance of joy. Yeah, their extreme poverty is also the difference, but the abundance of joy has overflowed in rich generosity. Abundance of joy, plus extreme poverty, somehow in the kingdom of God equals a wealth of generosity. Now, I don't, I don't know, uh, I don't necessarily think affliction and extreme poverty necessarily. I don't think of joy, right? When I think of not having much, I think stress and worry and anxiety and scarcity, right? And because we live in the great capitalist city of the world, our hearts are actually bent a different way. We think once our bank accounts are full, once we have a bit of security, once we've accomplished a few goals, once our pockets are filled, it doesn't matter if our hearts are not moved with compassion We will have enough, and then it will overflow into generosity. And Paul is coming along, and Paul's like, no, 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 no. You can have an empty bank account and a rich heart, and that overflow with rich generosity. And for the church in Macedonia, they're in, right? They're like, I believe in the cause of the gospel for the church in Jerusalem. And so they gave, and they want to continue in that. And what do we find? It formed in them a great joy. I believe joy and generosity are good friends. I read an interesting article this week called The State of Joy. And the writer um, basically gave examples of moments or experiences that he's had with his family um, that brought him joy. They were spontaneous experiences. And he writes in his articles how philosophers have always believed that joy is the sort of spontaneous gift um, that comes to people who are in a posture of receptivity, ready to receive as a gift which is interesting because generally we see happiness or joy that as something that comes to us after we accomplish our goal. Right. And therefore we see joy as something that we earn. Right. But the reality is, is, that joy has never been anything you've earned. It's always been a gift and it comes when you see the things that you have as gifts. And so in the article he goes on to say, this is a brilliant phrase. He says, joy is intimately linked to a sense of grace And joy is the mode of enjoying gratitude. Joy is the mode of enjoying gratitude. It's never been something you've earned. It comes when you see and recognize the things that you have as gifts. The delight of the sun rising, like the gift, right? Food and connection with friends, a a gift. This week at Thanksgiving, sitting around the table, what a gift. And the other side of this is entitlement, right? But see, the thing about that is that generosity really doesn't come from entitlement, right? Because entitlement is someone who th- who's not getting what they deserved. And I would suggest that the least joyful people are those who think they aren't getting what they earned. Because joy is a gift, never something you earn. And so we should give joyfully. Next, we should give out of love. Verse 8, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is genuine. Right? Our love for other people is demonstrated, authenticated, and validated by our generosity toward them. Uh, January 20th, 2012 was a, is a day I'll never forget. Uh, it was an amazing day for my bank account. It was a Friday. I was uh, sipping coffee at a coffee shop and I got a phone call. It was my mom. And she was really excited on the other end of the phone. And she said, "Um, are you around your computer? And I said, yeah. And she said, go grab your computer. I was like, "Uh, okay, mom. So I opened it up and she said, "Uh, log into your bank account. And I logged in and there was a deposit pending. And it was a deposit for almost half of my student loans at the time. But like I'm 22, I'm fresh out of college. It might as well have been a million dollars. And I'm, I'm over here shaking. I'm like, mom, what? And she said, Russell, that is a gift for you. Now, my mom is not um, one with uh, tons of money. Um, she, um, giving this gift probably hurt for her, right? And the crazy thing about her is she didn't tell me what to do with it, right? I'm like, Mom, can I buy a motorcycle? Like, what She's like, it's your money. I would suggest you put it towards your loans. But my mom could have got a newer car. Like she needed one at the time. She could have used it as a down payment on a house she was renting at the time. She could have gone on vacation. She could have invested it and in a few years said, Russell, I'm going to pay off all of your loans. But she didn't do that, but she gave freely to me her son because she loves her son. Have you ever been the recipient of generosity like this? How did you feel? Blown away like me? Grateful? Love, did you feel warm or seen or understood? Or maybe you even felt a bit unworthy, right? Your love for others is demonstrated, authenticated, and validated by your generosity towards them. And this is what Paul is saying, and I love this verse. To prove by the earnestness of others that your love is genuine. He's saying this verse is just true. Jesus says it a little bit differently. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And this is just true regardless of what you believe. Jesus is saying, money leads and your heart follows, right? Show me your bank transactions. Show me your bank account and I'll show you where your heart is. The movement of your money shows the movement of your heart because we exchange money for the things that we value or that we treasure. And so if we looked at your bank account, maybe we would see uh, Trader Joe's transactions, right? We'd say you value taste or experience, or being full. Um, maybe instead of Trader Joe's, we see the bodega on your corner, we would say, you know what, you valued comfort or convenience or not being out in the cold. Maybe we'd see um, plane tickets or travel and we would say you value relaxing or freedom. Uh, we'd see a coffee, right? Is it is it daily, right? What kind of value, is it like work and energy? Or is it like a couple times a week, a splurge for you? Um, we maybe see subscriptions, right? Netflix, HBO, you value um, entertainment or disconnecting. Um, and so I think what Jesus is saying here is so brilliant. Money leads and your heart follows, which is why he talks about money so much. Because we have to consistently reorient ourselves back. And the way to do that is by actually putting our treasure in places we want our heart to be. Your money leads in your heart follows and one of the beautiful things about this if we think of generosity in this way giving is actually more of an expression of your heart though we normally see giving as an expression of one's wealth but that's not it right our love for others is demonstrated authenticated and validated by our generosity towards them and then here's the last one so we give joyfully we give out of love and then lastly we give sacrificially like jesus Verse 9, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. And so first Paul is like, here's the Macedonians. They're a great example for giving, right? He's taking away everyone's excuses of why to be generous. They were poor, but significantly more generous than the Corinthians. But then there's Jesus, infinitely rich, But because of his generosity, he became poor, right? Imagine this for a second. Jesus is with his father in heaven. He has everything he could ever need, want, glory, riches of heaven, no pain, nor death or anything. What does he do? He puts on flesh, right? That's what we're getting ready to celebrate here at Advent, um, at Christmas. Jesus doesn't give out of what he can spare, right? A percentage. He doesn't give out of his riches. He gives away his riches, right? For Philippians 2, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so I want to, I want to push in a little bit here, if you and I are materialistic, if we're not generous, then I think it's okay to say that we haven't actually grasped the truth that Jesus, though he was rich, he became poor, right? It, it means that we give sacrificially to the things that we love, to the things that are our salvation, to the things that give us purpose and meaning in our life. And so if Jesus, is, we would say, is the one that saved me, I really do believe this then if Jesus is the one that really has you, then what's going to happen? Our time and our money and our effort are actually going to flow very easily and naturally to Jesus's work, to Jesus's people. This is going to happen because we've been transformed by the gospel. This is the ultimate reason to give is because we've been transformed by the work of Jesus. And I said sacrificially, right? I don't have the dictionary definition in front of me, but it's like, sacrifices like to give up or to forego or to go without. And some of us, you know, we definitely should be thinking like, well, are when you say it that way, does that mean it should should change or affect the way that I live? Well yes, right? If we give like Jesus, then it will affect the way that we live. Right? It will cut into the way that we live. A lot of people say, well, you know, I just I can't afford to give to the church or to the poor. But what we're really saying is I can't afford to give to the church or to the poor without inconveniencing or burdening myself, right? But if, if, if the call on our lives is to bear our neighbor's burdens, how will we do that if we never sacrifice? And so the question becomes, can we live on less so that others can have more? That's how you give sacrificially like Jesus. And so give joyfully, Get out, give out of love and give sacrificially, like Jesus. And maybe you're already doing this, but what about you? What about your relationship with money and finances? One option is for you to say, 100% of it is mine. All of this is mine, right? The money I have is mine to do with it what I want. I earned it. Another way to view your money is that 100% of it is yours but it's probably good to give some away, right? I don't want other people to think I'm cheap or lacking in generosity, and so I should give some. And I think that's where a lot of us land without really evaluating um, the topic. The third is the traditional view, which is 90% of it is mine, but 10% of it is God's, right? God has a right to 10% of my stuff. And maybe that's what you're thinking. I'm going to come to the end of this and say, oh, we should. I should tithe. God should get 10%. And I do... I do actually think that is a good starting point um, for generosity for most of us, but it doesn't get to the right motivation, which is this. A hundred percent of everything that we have is God's. This is the biblical view of of our financial resources. A hundred percent of it is God's to do what God wants with it. Everything I am, everything I have is God's. I'm a steward. I am not an owner it's his the psalmist says the earth is the lord and everything in it right and the topic of generosity doesn't really hang over us as a law but actually it gets at our motivations for how we understand the generosity of god so how do we practice this how do we step into this as a community And maybe the question you're sort of asking is like, how can I become a more generous person? And I want to invite us into that, but I want us to think collectively too. How can we as a church be a generous, cheerful, sacrificial church like our God? And so if you've never given or you give sporadically, the invitation would be first to give causally out of joy, If you're not giving for whatever reason, give once to a cause, to something that matters to you and see what happens, to take a step in this. Um, And when you do that, you pray and you say, God, give me an opportunity um, to give. I believe that 100% of what I have is yours. And so you're you're praying, God, what do you want me to do with your money? And so, what do you? What brings you joy? Does our church bring you joy? Give to our church. Um, does um, a, a cause at your work or in your neighborhood um, give you joy? Give to that and see what happens. Um, take a step. Uh, number two could be give consistently, consistently, out of love. Right we all want to be spontaneous givers right i 'll grab that um, bill i'll uh, i 'll grab the uh, i 'll buy those drinks i 'll give to someone on the street i 'm going to give to my family, but the pathway to spontaneous giving is planned and deliberate deliberate giving um, and so like for our family, we choose that we are going to give and it 's going to come automatically out of our bank account so we 've made the decision one time. Um, to give generously back to our church community. And one of the really cool things about um, giving consistently is that it's actually a spiritual discipline. This is an act of spiritual formation where we're imitating Jesus. And what are we doing? We're practicing and practicing and practicing until what? Until actually generosity becomes um, second nature, right? Um, we're, We're giving generously like Jesus. And then lastly, The third challenge, if you're um, giving causally or giving consistently, would be to give over and above. Give sacrificially like Jesus. Uh, We have an amazing opportunity um, to give at the end of the year, um, to honor advocates at our Christmas party. could be an awesome opportunity um, to step into that um, giving. And so um, I'll read our uh, generosity um, liturgy. If you'd like to give, you can go to our website, reunionnyc.com backslash give, and you can give through um, that link. And we say this generosity liturgy every week as a way of saying, this is what we believe about our gifts. And so it says this, Father, you are an abundant giver. There's nothing I have that you have not given me. All I have and am belong to you. Help me to honor you with my resources. Free me from the deceit of riches. Lead me on the path of generosity. All that I have is yours. All that I have is you. Use our gifts for works of love and mercy and to the increase of your glory. Amen. And so God, I love you and I thank you for a time set aside to talk about your great generosity, the ways, God, that you were rich and you became poor. Um, Thank you, God, for your sacrifice and um, the ways that you um, care for us in the day-to-day. And God, I pray that as a church, we would be um, understanding that, internalizing that, and then really believing that we want to be free from the deceit of riches. And we want to be able to say that 100% of what we have is yours. And uh, generosity is a pathway to do that. And so, God, we love you. We thank you for time like this. It's in your name we pray. Amen.